Hello, and welcome to Mental Health Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Lang, and I'm here with Dr. Mark Burton. In this podcast, we will talk about all things mental health. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey guys, Liz Lang here with Dr. Mark Burton. So this week we're going to talk about codependent relationships. And most people think they know what a codependent relationship is, but it might not actually be what you think. So I'm going to start by talking about a relationship I was in that I thought was codependent because that's what people told me it was. So I was in high school and I know people say, oh, high school is too young to be in love. And uh, personally, I disagree with that. I think it's different. I disagree with that as well. Okay. Yeah. We were genuinely in love and we were very clingy together and we spent, we wanted to spend all our time together and we constantly wanted to be touching when we were together. And it kind of made people a little bit uncomfortable how affectionate we could be. Okay. In fact, it probably really made people uncomfortable. I, I know at some point it did. And, but we just constantly wanted to be in contact with each other and wanted to be around each other. And people would say we were codependent because we couldn't stand to be without each other. But then last week, on the radio show that you go on, I heard you talking about what an actual codependent relationship looks like. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe my relationship wasn't so codependent. Well, I think the term codependent or codependency exists a lot in what you might call pop psychology. And so whenever I have someone come into my office and they'll say, I'm, they might say I'm codependent or he or she's codependent. Mm -hmm. I always want to understand what do you mean by that? Because I I think in your case, which I have heard before, people either are uncomfortable or they might be jealous, I suppose, Mm -hmm. could be one thing of, of the relationship. And so what they do is they want to attach what they think is a negative, you know, name to it. And so they say, oh, you're, you're codependent thinking that's Mm -hmm. negative, but it is important to really understand what is the difference. So uh, let's call the difference between dependent and codependent. So here, here are some examples that might be helpful. So in a dependent relationship, two people rely on each other for support and love. But here's the important thing. Both find value in the relationship. Okay. In a co- Okay. In a codependent relationship, the codependent person feels worthless unless they're needed by or maybe they're making drastic sacrifices for the other person. And the other person gets satisfaction from getting their every need met by the other person. And so the difference is, it's in my words, it's not mutually satisfying. It's mm-hmm. unbalanced. It's, it's probably the word I would use. It's mm-hmm. imbalanced in favor of one. So one really giving, 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 the other taking, taking, taking. And so, you know, in the example that you gave of, you know, your relationship in high school, it didn't sound like that to me. I mean, it it didn't sound like give, give and, you know, one person's take. No, I wouldn't say it was. We just were really young and were in love and it was new and it was exciting. And we just, we just wanted to be around each other. I would say that it was unhealthy in a sense that we excluded, maybe not excluded family and friends, 
but we almost did a little bit like it's almost like we put everything else, all our other relationships with family and friends to the side. Well, and, and so you're right. That might be unhealthy. Yes. And I, you know, I don't think it's codependent, though. Right. Exactly. And, you know, and I remember after the relationship ended about a couple of weeks, just feeling this burden was had been lifted off of me because in a way the relationship was kind of smothering because it's just, it was like, it was all consuming. It was all we wanted to do was just be around each other and talk to each other. And it's like, when I got out of it and I'm like, wow, okay, that's not healthy, but that doesn't make it codependent. I think a lot of people think codependent means you can't live without each other. You can't stand to be apart. And that's not necessarily what codependent is. It's more of an unequal balance of a relationship. Right. Let me give you another, just an example between dependent and and codependent. So in a dependent relationship, both people can express their emotions and their needs, and they can find healthy ways to make the relationship beneficial for both of them. Mm-hmm. In a codependent relationship, one person feels that their desires and needs are unimportant mm-hmm. and won't express them typically. Okay. And they, they may even have difficulty recognizing their own feelings or needs. So that kind of helps you understand what, what are the differences between yeah. dependent and codependent. And, you know, I, I think why get married or why be in an intimate relationship if you aren't mm-hmm. going to be somewhat dependent? Right. You know, if you're I, if you're going to be independent, I guess would be the other thing. I don't I guess I don't see why why get married if you want to be independent. Right. And I think you can be independent in that you can have separate lives and you can do separate things. But I mean, with my marriage. Curtis, he's my number one priority. I mean, I put him before everything else and he's my favorite person to be around. He's my favorite person to spend time with and talk to. And I think that that's a healthy thing. And we definitely went through that. I guess you call it the honeymoon phase where I only wanted to spend time with him and, you know, but as we've grown older and it's different and, you know, now we enjoy the occasional night out with friends. Right. And so here's here's the thing that's interesting. This is a bit of an aside. In successful long-term relationships, they always have that component mm-hmm. of, you might call it whatever you want to call it, infatuation, honeymoon yeah. phase. Mm-hmm. If you find a long-term relationship that doesn't have that component, then it didn't get off to kind of the right start. Because yeah. you need you need that that brings you together in such a you might call it a passionate way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you can't certainly maintain that passion over right. you know, 45, 50 years of marriage. And then, you know, when your kids come along, then you absolutely cannot <laughs> maintain yeah. that, that no. passionate relationship. No. So I think that's what changes. So in the beginning, from my perspective, that's a healthy sign of a good relationship. Yeah, because it's new. And, and it's like we talked about before in previous episodes, our brains are really attracted to novelty. Right, right. So let's take a second and talk about times when maybe a relationship could feel codependent because a spouse is maybe going through something incredibly difficult. So I would think like uh, maybe you have a serious medical problem that happens mm-hmm. and things do become a bit 
unbalanced. So let's right. speak about that a little bit, because, you know, on the one hand, you've made a commitment to this person to love them no matter what happens. But on the other hand, it can be very difficult to feel like you're the dependent or the dependent upon in a codependent relationship all of a sudden. Right. And, and I wouldn't, I would never classify that particular situation as codependent okay. because, and, and that does happen. Right. Now, sometimes, you know, it becomes unbalanced, but often it's because of a specific like health issue mm -hmm. or, you know, it could be even because of a specific emotional crisis that one is going through. And so I think that's another reason why we get married is we're there to mm -hmm. support and help the other person in those times. Again, I would not label that at all codependency. Codependent. Codependency is more of a pattern. It's a pattern okay. that I'll backtrack a little bit. How, do, how does a person end up you know, being codependent. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, that where that comes from, essentially you learn how to do that. And it's a learned behavior that I think gets passed down from families of origin, families of origin that are probably dysfunctional mm -hmm. and it's an emotional and behavioral condition. So we're talking about kind of a long-term condition that affects an individual's ability to have a healthy, mutually satisfying relationship. So in the situation you're describing where some person, let's say, gets an illness, mm -hmm. that's not what we're describing because all of us, you know, they have had up to that point, a, a mutually satisfying, healthy relationship. And then the context of the relationship change changes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, sadly, it, you know, it becomes a a rest of your life thing where you're mm -hmm. caring for that person. I still would never call that codependent because I think in most cases, even with health issues, you can often still fulfill the emotional needs of the other person. Okay. You may be dependent upon them. See, I'd call it a dependent relationship. You're dependent on the other person, say for care, mm -hmm. but it's unbalanced in if I can say a healthy sense. way, well, it's, it's unbalanced in a healthy way. Uh, okay. Right. Sorry. Yeah. It's a, in a codependent relationship. It's an emotional imbalance is right. what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Because and it, but it's on, it's unhealthy because the other mm -hmm. person, the, the person who is taking care of the, we call it the enabler never gets their needs met. And in fact, they never are able to say here are my needs mm -hmm. because that's not how they grew up. They, they are not important. You know, they, they don't matter, essentially. Right. And I can tell you from hearing this in, in a session with many people, it is so heartbreaking when you hear someone say, I don't matter. And you can really feel them. They, they really believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, they aren't just saying it to get some sort of sympathy. And in that case, and I always want to really be aware of what's going on in the relationship now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... How can you recognize a codependent relationship? And maybe this is a little bit difficult if maybe you see a loved one who's starting to go through this. But again, I mean, it sounds a little more complicated than that even because it often originates from, like you said, families of origin or it's a learn more of a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. Yeah. To be codependent. So can you fix it? So here's the great thing. I was just thinking that here's the great thing about learned behaviors. Mm -hmm. You can always unlearn them. That's I think it, it takes work and effort. I'm, and so when I say that, I'm not implying it's easy, mm -hmm. but it, I really believe if you can learn something, you can unlearn it. Mm -hmm. So before we 
go more into detail on that. Yes, the question about how can you tell or how, what are things maybe, what are behaviors to be aware of? Mm-hmm. And so one thing that stands out to me, in fact, codependency, that term really first appeared in treating people who were alcoholics. Okay. And and it was in that family context because often with alcoholics, and I think this is certainly true with other, uh, pe- other drug abuse, mm-hmm. there is that codependence where let's say the husband's an alcoholic, the wife in some way enables that behavior to take place. And there's never really a confrontation of, okay, you need to, you know, change this behavior. Mm -hmm. And it goes, they go on for years with this uh, substance abuse issue. And so that's where that codependent term came from. So one of the things is if you've ever lived with someone with an alcohol or drug problem, have you ever lived with someone or do you live with someone now who hits or belittles you? Do you have difficulty adjusting to changes just in life in general? Do you feel rejected when your significant other spends time with other friends? Mm. See, so you're feeling like, okay, I'm being neglected. You know, my partner's out there with someone else. Do you feel like a bad person? so bad person when you make a mistake. See, I think if we all make mistakes, right, that doesn't make us bad people. It makes us people who make mistakes, which is mm-hmm. kind of the human condition. Again, it's it keys into, I think, self-esteem. So lower self-esteem. Okay. Yeah. If you have lower self-esteem, you make a mistake, it becomes this really big thing. Oh, I'm a bad person or I'm a terrible person. If you're using language like that, then I think you have to be aware that you could possibly be in that type of relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you feel some type of humiliation when your child or spouse makes a mistake? Now, what that keys into is, am I so enmeshed with the other person that if I see them make a mistake, it's really me being, mm. the per- you know, I, it, it's mm-hmm. so tight to me. Oh, I made the mistake and I'm the bad person. None of these things I'm saying alone in and of themselves say make you a codependent person. Right. These are just things to be aware of. Now, one of them I think is interesting that I see a lot of people, a lot of people have trouble saying no mm-hmm. when they're asked for help. Now, that in and of itself, again, does not make you a codependent person. Right. But it could be one of those things that get you into that type of relationship because you can't say no. Mm-hmm. Are you uncomfortable expressing your true feelings to others? And what that then keys into is I am so worried about being judged okay. that I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep my thoughts, my true feelings to myself because I don't want anyone to judge me for you know, what I believe in. So does that help in showing you what to be aware of? Yeah. How to recognize it. Hopefully you can recognize it early on and decide, okay, is this something I want to work through or is this person just codependent? And this is a relationship that I want to get out of and not be in long-term. So what happens if say someone is listening to this podcast and they're saying, oh no, I'm in a codependent relationship. Where do they go? What do they well, do? A couple of things too. I think being a therapist, I certainly believe in therapy, but I think some right. things are really best handled with therapy. Uh-huh. And I think this is one of those. So one, I'd suggest, you know, if you believe you're in a, that codependent relationship and the partner does not want to go to couples treatment with you, mm-hmm. I would go alone and okay. I would start getting help alone. Here's the big problem with that. 
typically, as you go through that individual therapy, mm-hmm. you become more self-aware and you start to change the way you're thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. When that starts to happen, then I'll say the risk of you leaving that other person goes up. Okay. Because yeah. you're willing to change. You're recognizing what's going on. Mm-hmm. You're understanding that you want the relationship to be different. The other person doesn't. And so you're kind of stuck. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose you, you can certainly choose to stay in the relationship, mm-hmm. but you have to know it's not going to change. Right. You can't even if make he, someone. Yeah, no, you can't make someone change. And so even if you have this, you know, newfound insight, it doesn't mm-hmm. change the behavior of the other person. So I want to be clear for listeners that I believe going to therapy is the right thing to do, even if it's mm-hmm. individual therapy. Yeah. There is certainly the risk that you'll get tired of being treated that way mm-hmm. and choose to leave. Now, I think if, if you both go to couples therapy and you have a good couples therapist who's able to really focus on the behaviors. And again, I don't know that I'd ever, I don't know if I ever use the term. I think I've talked about it before. Sometimes labels aren't, they just aren't that helpful okay. uh, for yeah. people. You don't really need the label to talk about it because you just point out the behaviors, which mm-hmm. is what you're wanting to change anyway. Right. And so you're saying, here are the behaviors that aren't working. You know, they might work for you. They might not work for this other person. Mm-hmm. You're getting your emotional needs met. This other person isn't. How do you balance it? And so you talk about it in terms of balance. Let's figure out how you balance it. Right. So I really believe you can change. And it's Mm -hmm. honestly, it's just, it's about behavior. And process and working through it. Process through and through it. And so, you know, there may be some other underlying mental health issues or emotional health issues, but you'll get to those and deal with Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. But I do believe if you want to really save the marriage, work on the marriage, that a good couples therapist can really be helpful. Right. And obviously in your office, you've only seen couples that are unhappy and and want to change. But I guess in your life outside of the office, have you ever seen a codependent couple that is happy or that enjoyed the relationship? I mean, in your personal life or just, you know, being around someone, have you ever seen that work? No. No. (laughs) So the answer, I, I have seen that. Okay. I have to be I have to be careful about because I don't think this person this couple will listen. Uh-huh. So longtime friends and it's a clearly codependent relationship and you know and it, it's pretty easy to see. If you get someone who you might say is caretaker. I mean there's okay. some people who they see their job. I mean it's part of being a codependent relationship. They see their job of taking care of and uh, healing or solving the other person's, you know, mm-hmm. issues. And in some ways, that's how they build up their own self-esteem. And so in my experience, it works for a while, mm-hmm. but eventually you get tired of it because you want to have your own needs taken care of as well, mm-hmm. sometimes. And the longer that goes on, I think the more entrenched the couple gets in that dynamic. And it's really hard for the person who's being cared for and taken care of. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard for them to want to move out of that. Why would you want to move out of that? I would, you know, (laughs) because you're being pampered. Right. And so, you know, the motivation to move out of it is not very strong, Uh but the motivation for the other person to have it be different is pretty strong. Mm -hmm. And so that's when the conflict comes up. So yes, I actually see the 
it, there are cracks that start to happen in the relationship uh-huh. and the cracks just over time get bigger and bigger and the frustration comes out, the anger starts to leak out and it's not a pretty scene and it is definitely not fun to be around. <laughs> no, I would imagine not. I mean, I would imagine it would create a toxic environment for oh, yeah. everyone yeah. involved. I mean, because it's normal for couples to go through ups and downs. I know in my own marriage, there's been times where we've been unequally burdened, I guess you could call it. Because for example, when my son was born, he was a very, very difficult baby. And that meant Curtis was picking up a lot of extra slack because I was exhausted and spent and emotionally, I didn't have a lot to give. So, you know, in a sense, we were definitely unequally yoked. But then there's also been times where work is just kicking his rear end and he doesn't have a lot to give emotionally. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, we're willing to help each other and bear each other through and bear that extra burden to carry each other through the end. But ultimately, I think what it comes down to is we can still express our emotional needs or we understand that it's, these are temporary things that, you know, we'll get through it on the other side. And so that's a, that is a dependent relationship, which Mm -hmm. I think most marriages should be. That is not a codependent relationship. You know, it's helpful to understand when you hear people use that term, Mm -hmm. you know, you can say, well, what is it you're really meaning? Are you uncomfortable with how attached these two people Uh are to each other? Yes. Because codependence has a very, you know, specific definition to it. Yeah. So let's take a minute and talk about something that I always mean to bring up and I forget. And you reminded me of it when you were talking about going to therapy. So, and this is kind of completely off topic in a way, but I think it's really important. I have heard counseling being described as shopping for a pair of shoes and that you have to find the right fit. Uh, Yes. I mean, I'm going to agree with you completely. Yes. And so I thought of that myself of, well, I would feel bad if I go to a counselor and we just don't jive. And I say, eh, no, like, you know, as so from a counselor's perspective, how do you guys handle that rejection? Well, so I don't, I don't know how other counselors do it, but at the end of the first session, I always say to them, okay, now you need to make a choice. Am I the guy to help you or not? Okay. And, you know, and I, and I give my expectations, uh, especially if it's couples, I give mm-hmm. homework all the time. I always say, I want you to be able to ask me any question mm-hmm. because they need to make a choice. So I leave it out there open that they mm-hmm. are able to choose. No, this isn't a good fit. And mm-hmm. I, and I always say, you know, why don't you go home and talk about it? you know, and and let me know because them talking about the fit in front of me doesn't work very well for anyone. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, for me, I've never taken it personally because I really believe that it is the right fit. I'm not going to be the right fit for everyone. I know that. Mm -hmm. And I don't expect to be the right fit for everyone. And I think if a therapist is going into it thinking, I will be able to help everybody who walks into my office uh, I don't know. I'd probably choose another therapist right there yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they thought that. Because I don't think that's realistic at all. I agree because everyone's different and different personalities jive differently. And I've heard that before. I had a friend tell me that she went to a therapist 
And in the first session, the therapist was helping treat a specific symptom that she was having. And she didn't like the way he did it at all. And so she didn't go back. She picked someone else. Yeah. And that's the right thing to do. I would never Mm -hmm. stay with a therapist. I mean, maybe you give it two sessions or something to Mm -hmm. try, but if you're still feeling uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. I think you move on. And I realized that, you know, that's a a burden a bit to, okay, I'm going to go find another therapist. But I think that's the reason to when you're picking a therapist, try and find someone who's been to therapy and maybe get some recommendations. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, that's how our practice really works is it's it's about people recommending us all to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we It's rare that we get what you might call cold calls. It's always about, I heard about you doing this or this. So. Mm-hmm. It's all about who you know. Right. Yep. And, you know, asking questions about, do you know any good therapists? What was your experience like? Most people are willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I feel like that's something that's really important, but it's okay to find yes. a new therapist Oh yeah. and don't ever worry about offending a therapist because really it's about you in that. Well, sense. here's the other thing. If the therapist gets offended and tells you you've made the right choice. Yeah. To move on. You can just say, oh, okay. That was a good Uh choice. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So this has been pretty great and very educational. So next week, we are going to talk about the characteristics of long term effective relationships. This is one of my favorite topics. I love this topic. Yes. So we might shorten it to. How to be successful in marriage. (laughs) Let's do that. How to be successful in marriage. Some tips. (laughs) Yeah. So just good marriage, general marriage advice that you can start, whether you have been dating and you're going to get married or if you've been married for 50 years. So just good tips and things that you can do. Okay. All right. So thanks everyone for joining us and we will see you all next week. Have a question for Dr. Burton? How about a topic you'd like us to cover? Send us an email at mentalhealthpod21 at gmail.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Liz Lang. Music is by Audio Lounge. 